Uh, recently, uh, and again with great controversy, the American Pediatricians Association, they spoke out against these puberty blocking hormone treatments for children. And here's their quote, it's pretty, pretty strong. It says, young children are being permanently sterilized and surgically maimed under the guise of treating a condition that would otherwise resolve in over 80% of them. And this is criminal. Hello, this is Pastor Jack. And this is Pastor Tim. This is the Every Moment His podcast. And we are continuing with the topic of transgenderism. And if you are just jumping into this episode, stop and go back and listen to the first one. Because in that episode, the previous one, we define some terms and um, talk about some of the intricacies of, of what transgenderism is, gender dysphoria, and today we're going to go into what might be some possible responses or some treatments for somebody who uh, is experiencing gender dysphoria yeah. and uh, scripturally thinking just in terms of just what's in line with our human dignity, what are some responses to those? So, Yeah, so let, let's get going. Um, but dad joke time. Dad joke of the day. Here it is. Um, this is another really... Week one. We'll see. I got my baseball glove on. I'm yeah. in center field. I'm <laughs> right. ready to catch it. Okay, right. What is it? What's the best place to learn how to make ice cream? Huh? Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a line drive. I, was, I yeah. caught it. It's kind of a soft serve one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> yeah. So last time we, we talked about kind of two experiences of of gender dysphoria and one might be what we talked about as, as sort of sudden or maybe even mm-hmm. kind of just comes out of nowhere or maybe it's something that um, maybe is responding to the power of suggestion or, or social pressure um, and, and I talked about how I, I've seen this with young people especially when I lived in Connecticut where, where this was kind of everybody was I- yeah. if you weren't something unique on the gender spectrum then you really weren't unique kind of weren't in the party yeah and so yeah. if you were like just a cisgender male it's like that's boring yeah um, and i just saw more and more young people embracing this as their identity and sometimes it would continue sometimes it would dissipate but either way it was a very um real thing that was increasing um, yeah and, and, and encouraged and celebrated and right? encouraged yeah. and celebrated and i think that kind of added to it so yeah. but then but then we have those who even apart from social suggestion are just really struggling and and they've they may even say as long as i can remember yeah i've struggled with identifying with the body i'm in yeah and Good. So I, I think we're going to continue to kind of help people to be empathetic mm-hmm. um, as a first kind of posture. Yeah. Uh, and especially, to, you know, if you can imagine having that feeling, it's like, I just feel like every part of my body is wrong for who I want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's really a profound um, type of struggle. Right. And so if, if it's something that they can't just control... Uh, we should first of all be empathetic, um, but yeah. So, how, what do what does the world do? What is our you know what have medical professionals done to try to help people with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, first, I think um, 
right now we see a very uh, strong and even growing movement to say, I want to affirm that in you. So like if yeah. you, hey, even if it's young kids, you know, like if you feel like you are the a different gender, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you are must what be you say. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can look in that and say that's, that's kind of overboard, especially with young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, first of all, I think we should probably say a lot of these people aren't villains for thinking this way. Yeah, like, and, and we need to mention this because sometimes these issues get really politicized. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a book by uh, Mark Yarnhouse called uh, Understanding Gender Dysphoria. And, and he, it's writing from a Christian perspective, but he really makes that point. He's like, you know, there are these people in culture who are kind of stirring it up. Um, they're really kind of stirring everything up politically and, and making this a huge yeah. political issue and, and making it divisive. And, but the majority of people who are struggling with gender dysphoria are not really in that. They just are trying to get through life, right? Yeah. And, and, and so we just need to recognize that you need to make a distinction between the small minority of people that are making a, a big political issue out of this um, and than those who are just struggling on a daily basis. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I think that's the key, right? It's like, yeah. okay, what, are you, what about the person who's really struggling? And I think the treatments for this um, vary, but generally it has to do with um, cross-sex hormone therapy. Right. So you're going to take hormones more prevalent, so estrogen, testosterone, uh, to try to alter your physical um, proclivities in your body. Uh, the second thing, and kind of this is where it leads is like a full surgical transition. Uh, so you would present. So if you're a male, you'd present as a female publicly, you'd maybe minimize your, um, character, your male or female characteristics. Mm -hmm. Um, and then possibly you would have surgery, uh, down the road as well as altering your, your physical hormones going through your body. So, uh, it seems pretty extreme. Um, and I think, uh, but I, I've seen it presented in this way, and this kind of shocked me when I was reading through this um, content, is some parents say, I would rather have um, a, a son or a daughter who's alive uh, than they, than, and transition to another gender mm-hmm. than to end their life. And because some people have such a profound suffering because of this right. that they feel like... Um, I'm going to, I can't do this. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. Um, and mm-hmm. so some parents see this as this is the way to save my child. Right. Right. And, and I think that's too extreme, but I think that, you know, you can understand as a parent, you'd yeah, say, for I don't want to lose my child, you know, yeah, and, and, if and that's, that's the driving factor. And the research there I think is once again, complex because the question is maybe a, a, a tendency towards suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. actions, um, is that because somebody's experiencing rejection or maybe not feeling like they fit into society, or is this uh, also is this you know maybe related to other underlying issues of depression, anxiety, and also after somebody transitions, is that propensity towards yeah. suicidal thoughts resolved? Is it going to fix it? Yeah, and then you even have you know societies like you know some of the. Scandinavian countries that are incredibly welcoming and hospitable to 
to transgenderism, it's at least in comparison to other countries with their policies and whatnot, and, and still you see high levels of, of suicide. And so Afterwards. Yeah, right, after the transition. So yeah, so these interventions, they're new, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we're not so sure if the path works the way people hope. Yeah, and, and just as a pastor, I mean, I just have a lot of concerns when we get to this question mm. because... Well, there's a lot of concerns. Um, you know, sometimes the schools might be supporting this identity in private and even changing pronouns and names in school mm. without the parents' knowledge. It kind of varies between states and things, but there's some states where this is more accelerated, right? But yeah, And then so you also have, like, maybe parents don't really have a say in this. And, and it begins to accelerate to the point where it gets beyond the parents. And and for the parents to say, I don't think that this is reasonable or a good idea. I mean, even the parents can be cut out. Yeah. You know, and then and we can yeah. get to something like hormones. Yeah, being prescribed. Easily prescribed. Yeah. And that does do damage. Um, yeah, so this is where it's almost um, we can't not talk about the politicization of this because right. it is happening and it, it's consequential. And if Christians yeah. really care about human dignity. Yeah. We might have to get in the fray a little bit. We have to have those yeah. conversations about what is really just and good and, and, yeah. and creates human flourishing in the long term. Yeah. There's actually a, a story that is still un, unfolding in Canada where a man refused to call his uh, biological daughter by her preferred male pronoun in Canada and he was actually brought up on charges because of that and she was actually sentenced recently found guilty because he refused to say that that uh, his daughter was a male and I don't think he like just I have so much empathy for him because it's like I don't think he was just mm. trying to be a political actor or something or make a point he just right. genuinely, like, I was there when you were born. You know, mm -hmm. he just cared for his uh, his child, you know, and didn't want to cave to all this pressure. So there is some kind of, um, you know, it goes with the tides of our age where um, the individual is sovereign. And we're kind of testing that as the Western world to say. Like, does that work? Yeah. And is that, does the rights of children trump the rights of parents over their own bodies as individuals because parents historically it's their it's their judgment until that child is of age mm. but right now it seems to be tilting more towards people children get to choose their own identity self-identity and if the parents get in the way they can actually uh, lose their rights, which is is a scary yeah. direction. Well, and it, it even correct. even snowballs into other conversations about like, you know, like parents choose if their children get vaccines, right? Yeah, or if their children eat their vegetables, or yeah. where their children their go children to school, brush their teeth. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. all these things where parents have a have a parental role yeah. of of stewardship of their children, and so in in the way that this is kind of accelerated as far as policy goes a lot of times parents are kind of losing the ability to be parents and really allowing the the car to be driven by the often tumultuous 
experience and feelings of teenagers. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty scary thing because, and this is where I want to kind of talk about the cross-sex hormone therapy because um, this is something that is becoming easier to access and more encouraged, but there's really a multitude of side effects. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so um, it seems like the idea is that, okay, if, if a kid is struggling with this or an adult even, the first and most natural good step is to put them on cross-sex hormone therapy mm -hmm. treatments. Because uh, it seems to be kind of a mild way for them to explore this. And so it's easily prescribed and even very young people can, can get a hold of these things. Yeah. And, but there's huge side effects uh, for these treatments. So, um, you know, heart disease, um, blood clots, stroke, cancer, um, genital disfigurement, and even impotency can happen mm -hmm. by using these. Um, and so it's a serious thing. It's, it's like, this is, it seems to be a mild treatment. It's actually pretty extreme yeah. in the effect that it has. Uh, recently, uh, and again, with great controversy, the American Pediatricians Association, they spoke out against these puberty-blocking hormone treatments for children. And here's their quote. It's pretty, pretty strong. It says, young children are being permanently sterilized and surgically maimed under the guise of treating a condition that would otherwise resolve in over 80% of them. And this is criminal. And so that's a pretty strong statement, just saying we should not be treat we should not be experimenting on these kids. Yeah. You know, if they're presenting as I'm having this, this internal struggle, we should not be turning towards chemical interventions or, f mm -hmm. or surgeries even. Especially because a large percentage of those who experience gender dysphoria will, if given enough time, yeah. will, you know, to some degree reconcile with the gender assigned yeah. at birth. Yeah, but 80%. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a great cure rate for any drug. <laughs> and right. this is a natural kind of But solution. to think that there are kids in that group mm -hmm. who would have re-identified and yet they've gone through hormone treatment that is going to sterilize them, really impact future generations because, you know, very real possibility of not having children. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's serious stuff. And, and I, I just am concerned that the, the culture is getting so just on the train and not thinking about the future um, and that we're so eager to affirm. And obviously we want to have connection with people and empathy, mm -hmm. but, but that that maybe transgresses a wise boundary and it just leads us into not a good future for because you can imagine somebody making this decision early in puberty and then having to experience the cost of it the rest of their lives. Yeah, and so there's actually, there's a, there's a, lot, a lot of people who transition. That means if you're a male, you're going to transition to become a female through uh, dress, hormonal treatments, and even a surgery. Mm -hmm. But as those numbers have gone up, so has a number of people who are detransitioning. Mm -hmm. who are coming to the end of that and saying, I, I made a huge mistake and I want to go back. And again, this is controversial because their very presence saying this was a bad mistake calls into question the, the thinking of everyone going that direction and all the experts who are pushing in that, in that direction. Yeah. And then you also have social voices that would, would say this is transphobic. 
That's right. This is really um, against the struggle that, that people are having. And, uh, and so even, and this is where it gets hard because even wanting to have a reasoned, rational, extended conversation is, is shut down because yeah. the moment you say, well, let's talk about this, it's like, that's yeah. transphobic, end of story. Um, yeah, and I, I think that, that even gets into a wider conversation about just our ability to think critically about yeah. anything. <laughs> right. And, and I think, too, um, when we're talking about male and female, we're talking about such fundamental attributes of, of humanity and culture and families over time and space that we really are, we can't afford to get it wrong. And it, this, this touches everything in life, right? So when we're, yeah. when we're questioning or, or thinking about this at such a fundamental level, like I'm really against this cross hormone therapy idea because it's like, do you know what you're doing? You know, like that's a pretty yeah, essential part of who this person is. Well, and I think that we as a culture need to learn the humility of admitting that we might be wrong because there are things that are, that societies have believed confidently and as the majority mm. uh, generations ago, which now we would look at and say, no. Yeah. And, and so it's a little scary to think that people at a certain time were so confident in believing something. So I think of slavery in the, in the Southern states. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was for many people unquestioned mm -hmm. and defended and yeah. And spoken of as right and spoken yeah. of as right. And, and by the majority and there was immense social pressure to not think otherwise. And so then when we get to any topic, whether it be something controversial like abortion or um, something like transgenderism or any of these issues that get really heated, you know, it's like, well, can we have the, um, the humility to admit that we actually might be wrong, that 20, 30 years down the road we might say we missed it? Yeah. Um, so I want you to talk a little bit about... Um, Dr. Paul McHugh. Yeah. So again, so generally, if people are going to say we're going to accept and affirm your uh, your feeling that you're in the wrong body, mm. and we're going to help you to tr to make your body uh, formed how you wish it to be. Yeah. So hormone therapy is the first step, uh, and then presenting in public and in private as the opposite gender, but then also surgeries. And so one of the um, one of the people who actually really helped to pioneer a sex change procedure in mm -hmm. the U.S., Dr. Paul McHugh, and he was the chief um, psychiatrist at John Hopkins, so he's not a lightweight. But when he looked at the research and he found that people who had had these surgeries and had transitioned fully, that in many of them, the sex change procedure uh, did not improve their psychological well-being did not improve it, mm -hmm. that that was not the solution, that they stopped doing that procedure. So this is one academic uh, professional voice who said, you know, we tried that, we thought it was going to be a solution, but the research steered us away, um, that there was underlying psychological issues that were not helped by having a body that mirrored what they thought they wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important um, piece of admission like it's just to say look there's there's someone who's just saying i'm not going to go with the bandwagon um i'm gonna and good for him you know he's like i want to 
really take a look at the health of my patients yeah after this intervention well and it's also concerning the the fact that people have lost their license to practice you know mm-hmm. like canada would be an example of mm-hmm. i think it was in toronto um you know where people who are well respected in the field may may disagree they may differentiate themselves in mm. terms of the consensus and and they can lose credentials and whatnot and and yeah that in itself is concerning but so what about um so, so what is the path forward i mean this is a complex question but yeah so i think next episode we're going to talk about maybe a christian response yeah um, good, w- what's a good yeah. theological approach because theology good healthy biblical theology will always lead to practical implications yeah, yeah. i think so the you know a secular um intervention for people who have this kind of suffering uh you could find people who want to counsel people towards body integration. And so like we mentioned, 80% of these cases end up coming out of this after, after puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it kind of resolves itself as long as there's not extreme interventions. Uh, in many cases, not all, we have to admit, not all. Um, but there could be just interventions that are, are simply, uh, well, let's counsel through Let's, let's experience through with these people why they're feeling this way. Let's, let's work on the underlying um, issues, if there are any. And research is suggesting that there's a lot of underlying issues. So a lot of people who have gender dysphoria also have uh, physical harm issues, so self-harm issues. Uh, they're bipolar in some cases. They have depression, anxiety in almost all cases. Um, and they often have unhealthy social and family relationships. So if we can work on those underlying issues mm-hmm. um, and help them just weather the storm until they get through, hopefully, to a place where their their biology and their hormones um, and their mind kind of feel more at peace. So that would be yeah. a good way to go. Yeah, and, and that's certainly, a, that's bearing your cross, right? I mean, and... But, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the next episode, but I really do think that Christians can understand the language of gender dysphoria because to be a Christian is to experience dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Paul in Romans 7 says, The good that I want to do, I don't do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do. So I do the thing that I don't want to do. It's like, oh, Paul, you're going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but Paul is experiencing this dysphoria of like, there's a who I am in Christ and what I often desire are not the same. And he even says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Yeah. And, or, you know, Paul talks in Romans eight about like just groaning, longing to, for the redemption of our bodies. Yeah. And so we as Christians often feel, uh, we have a dysphoric relationship with our own bodies and our yeah. own minds sometimes because that's right. the spirit is working in us things that are actually different than what the world or the sinful nature or even our own biology is working in us. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, we all have the experience of being attracted to things that, that are not good for us or taking on identities that are not really who we are, that mm. are not healthy and, um, yeah, so I, I kind of want to close out this episode with just like some encouragement for parents, just like, you know, especially, you know, if your kids are are in a situation where they're being exposed to this, 
in the schools, it's, it's really good just to kind of have conversations about what does it mean to be male or to be female mm-hmm. and to really help them to see that you're male because God created you male or you're female because God created you female. And then to really reinforce and, and affirm their maleness or femaleness, whatever that kind of looks like. So for example, you may have a boy who's, who's not the aggressive kind of sports yeah, right. kind of kid and you, you might want to just really affirm him in the manliness of his music or the mm. manliness of, of his art or, yeah. or creativity or creativity. Intellect. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. because other people might look at him and say, maybe, maybe you're not really male or you may have a, a, a young girl who's just like, she's not really into never been into like the Barbie thing, the Barbie thing yeah. or pink, but, but she wants to play soccer and wants to climb trees and mm-hmm. just wants to, and just really affirm her in the femaleness of that. Yeah. Like you, you're created, God created you to be an outdoorsy person, to be a, uh, get in the dirt kind of person and, and that's cool yeah and, and because what once again society is gonna say well maybe you know in in fact i've even heard of the disappearance of tomboys because huh. because this idea that that well if you're not doing these stereotypical female things then maybe we're calling your your gender into identity uh, into question yeah, yeah so th- i mean this is kind of a fascinating trained to to mm-hmm. think about is just this the more that we force these stereotypical ma- like there's almost like okay if you're a male you are you're buff you drive a giant truck you you hunt you're emotionless you're a caricature light, you know yeah you're a caricature of a man right yeah right uh and if you're a female like the stereotype is just kind of like you're a bimbo right um or you're passive or yeah and it's yeah. like, that's not actually biblical, right? Like, like w- the or, yeah, you're biblical like a understanding of male and femaleness is a very embodied thing. Mm-hmm. Like God has embodied you as male or female. And so I just think that we just really need to affirm our kids in the goodness of who they are created before God. And so they don't get sucked into this trap of like, well, maybe I'm not really male because I don't like this, that, or the other. You yeah, know? right. And that seems to be, okay, if you're not presenting this way, well, maybe you're gay. Yeah. Right. That's the the jumping to, and like, it's interesting that that's the conclusion. Like if you're really into theater, mm-hmm. and you're maybe a little bit more expressive, and it's like that. That's how God created you. Mm, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, and just another just encouragement to parents is to be really vigilant about what your kids are doing on social media, yeah. in particular YouTube, because yeah. YouTube is one of the places where many of many transgender influencers are active and and they're basically selling a salvation story of Mm. if you're experiencing this maybe you can you know maybe this is your this is your 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 answer and even you have like major figures like you know like jojo siwa for example Mm -hmm. which for a while was just kind of a annoying teenage pop star (laughs) you know but now it's like well this is she's you know kind of questioning her whole yeah sexuality and, and a everything. whole fan base along for and that. she takes a whole yeah. fan base with her and it's very public and it's all it's tweeted instagrammed facebooked youtubed and you can just see how young people could just really grab onto this and just like anything could become a fad mm-hmm. um, and once again this is not to discredit those who have a genuine experience a chronic experience they can't get away from but 
but we need to be aware of what our kids are consuming online. And we need to be able to discern the difference. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, let's next episode, we're going to jump into some theology and a Christian response. So we'll see you there. Yep. Hang on. Hang on.